0: So glad to see everybody here this morning. We're going to worship together and we're going to be thankful together, aren't we? Amen. Right now we're going to listen to God's Word. And if you've been here over the last about three months, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, which is found in Matthew 5 through 7. And we last left off in Matthew 7, 12, where it says, So in everything do to others what you would have them do to you, called the golden rule. And in one sense, I want you to know this, this sermon has come to an end. Hmm. Jesus has made all the points he intends to make in this greatest sermon that was ever preached. His objective was to bring Christians to a point of understanding uh, of who we are in Christ. Remember we began with the with the Beatitudes? And he says, here are all the characteristics of who you are now that you belong to Jesus Christ. And then our Lord has come from heaven to earth to establish this new kingdom, the kingdom of earth. That is on a heaven on earth, I should say. And Our Lord has come from heaven, and he comes in the middle of the kingdoms of the world. All these kingdoms around us, all these worldly governments. And he makes it clear that his kingdom is different. The one that we are a part of is different than all the rest of the world's kingdoms around us. But we're right in the middle of them all, aren't we? He says, be different. And looking through the revelation that we found in in the Beatitudes... And it gives us a picture of the whole Christian. We've, we've listened to Jesus tell us that because we are different, and, and the world will react differently to us. Now, I know sometimes we notice that, but sometimes we don't. It's because we're being like the world. We're to be different. We are different people. And let me tell you what, the world doesn't like you. Did you know that? The world doesn't like Christians at all if you're living as a Christian. But Jesus said that will happen to you, and there's a reason for that. He left us here so that we can be the salt and the light of the world. The salt to season them and the light to show them the way out. God's way out. To listen to this sermon and uh, just to go ooh and ah, that's not going to work, folks. Having shown us all this, Jesus comes to this practical application of working it all out. He reminds us that in this life we have to live; it's entirely different from the rest of the in the best of all the religions in the world. I know we get bombarded with that, don't we? You know, a lot of times we get we get uh, accused of being some special denomination or some special religion. Let me tell you what—that's not at all. Jesus says, "You are mine." You're a Christian. I've given you rules and God's given you the rules. You go by mine. And he says, you want to know what the religions believe? He holds it up against the religious leaders of the world who were called the Pharisees, the experts on how to live righteous and, 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 and to live acceptable to their rules of morality, which is what we have foistered on us a whole lot. You want to know what the rules are? They're right here. They're not in the Constitution. They're not in some body of law. They're right here, the ones that God gives us. Jesus shows us that, and he says, you're going to be different. And he holds his rules up against the rules of the Pharisees. which supposedly were from God. And then he shows us how to do that. How do we live that? And, and he gives us examples of how to give and how to pray and how to sacrifice with him. We don't want to miss that part. And finally, he deals with this whole attitude towards life and the world and our attitude towards others by talking about judgment and how to do it. So Jesus says, there's the kingdom I'm forming. And there's the rules that you have to live by. I want you to live by. And, and, and I want you to live it out that way. Not just listen to it. You know, he's, he's not only laid down these principles for us to see, all the way through the, the Sermon on the Mount, he gives us details, doesn't he? How to do it. And now he stops. And he says, what are you going to do about it? I've given you all of this, so now what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do about all of this? There's no point in listening to this sermon if you're not going to act on what I've shown you. Jesus' sermon is the ultimate pattern, I believe, for all sermons. You know, preaching falls short. Um, If all that happens is that a a biblical passage is read and everybody looks at it and they go, Oh, yeah. Wow, Or or preaching fails if God's word is not exposed for what it is. The truth in how we are to live our lives. The sermon is worthless if we don't apply the message, the truth, to our lives. So really Jesus has said, I'm finished now. We're ready for the test. You're probably asking yourself, now what? What am I supposed to do now? Well, I guess you could do a lot like a a lot of folks do, and you could say, wow, what a great sermon. I see the error in all my ways. And, you know, I guess I can go on now and feel really this really good, warm, and fuzzy feeling inside of me. But if you don't apply it, folks... If you don't let Jesus apply his words to your life, it's worthless. There is no value in saying, ooh, what a nice sermon, if we don't listen to Christ and apply it to our lives. And here's another thing. Jesus doesn't want your comments. He did not want you to say, oh, yeah, good, okay, yeah, right. He wants your action. He doesn't want to hear a good sermon. Then you go out and you, you do everything, continue to do everything in life like you've always done it. He is changing lives. And that's what he wants you to do with what he's, what he's been teaching us. Let me tell you what. So here, here's the test. One part of the test is what we call the fruit test. We talked about that just a little bit this morning in Sunday school, didn't we? A lot of people praise the Sermon on the Mount, but then they don't implement it into their lives. And Jesus says, watch out for these people. Is not just what the tree looks like, it's the fruit that comes off of it. That's how you test it by its fruit. Here's another thing. There's the final part of the test, the test of circumstances. This is the part where I see... I'm sorry, folks. We've been preaching this sermon and we've been saying, you know what Christ says, it's going to be hard in this life. And you know what? A lot of people I've seen have problems in their lives. Take them to Christ. I don't know how many people here think that we're supposed to bring them here and we're supposed to cry together and then we go on with our lives. No. You go and you place your faith in Jesus Christ and He promises you he promises you that He will give you peace. He never says He's going to take away the trial. He doesn't do that at all. Not in this life. You know what the test is? Where do you take your problems? You know, when, you, when the, the, the storms come... And they wipe out all of your electricity, and like this morning, took out our plumbing. Take away all of your water, you know, or they take away all of your normal ways of life. Where do you go with your problem? Where, you, when the winds of life come and they storm, we're going to read that one here in a couple of weeks. When they come and they storm into your life, you know, will you still be standing? Because you're standing on the rock. Where are you standing? That's what we need to be asking right now and today. To listen to this sermon and to go, Ooh, ah, oh yeah, okay. Then not practice it daily. It has no value. The greatest sermon ever preached has no value if you don't receive it and act on it. You're going to have problems. Jesus says, You will have problems. Do you know that? I wish we could take all of these TV evangelists to say, Come and send me your money, and you'll have more money, and all your problems are gone. I wish we could take them all out back and shoot them. Yeah. That wasn't Christian, was it, Jerry? Sorry. You will have problems. Jesus promises you that. They are coming. You're going to have more problems. And you know what? And we have to be growing through these problems. They will come. They are coming. And I know that my Lord, who never leaves me and never forsakes me, says I'll always be your strength, come to me. Come to me and receive my strength. I know that he's there. And I know that when I do that, he takes away Maybe not the problem, but he gives us a peace because we have his peace. He says, I'm leaving this world. I'm going to give you peace. We read that in one of our Bible studies this week. He says, promises us that, and he does. He gives us a peace through all that. He gives us the strength to endure, and he always gives us a way out, never taking away the problem in this life. Oh, he will. Let's talk about that in a minute. Let me tell you what, the Sermon on the Mount that we've been reading through and we've been studying is meant to be lived. That means lived every day of your life. Not just to come and hear it on Sundays and go away, think maybe think something about it sometime during the week. It's meant to be lived every day. Because Jesus Christ is in your life. If you received him and he's living in there, he's there. He's with you. meant to be lived. Let me tell you what, the whole New Testament is meant to be lived. We started talking about this a little bit this morning in Sunday school too. You know, the, the Sermon on the Mount is just the introduction to the rest of the New Testament. And if you want the solutions to your problem, if you want to put Christ first in your life, you want to know how to put him first in your life, go read Colossians. Uh, if you want to know how to how to deal with the law, the rules, and how to really apply them to your life the way God meant it to be, go read Romans. We have a Bible study that's doing that right now uh, if you If you want to face trials in a troubled world and all these troubles keep coming and you want to know how to deal with them, go read Peter's letters. That's another Bible study we need to be having somewhere. If somebody wants to start one of those, you want to be a part of that one, just let me know. If you want to know how to how to live with loving kindness. For everybody around you, go read Ephesians. Read the whole book. It's okay. You can read the whole thing. You can do it in one sitting, it doesn't make any difference. You know what? This Christian life is not a theory, it's not some sort of formula. It's a life that it's a life of characteristics that have been given to us by Jesus Christ who lives in us. So let's look at these verses. Jesus uses uh, all of these this application of his sermon. Matthew 7 through uh, 13 through 14, which we read earlier. Let me read it to you in a little bit different version. It says, Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, and the way to uh, and, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few that ought to scare some folks the first thing he tells us is we have to look at, at, at the type of life he calls us to and then we have to realize what it is we have to, we've discovered it through our study that the wrong way to look at the sermon is to see it in short sound bites <laughs> that's what we're given everything nowadays isn't it just a little bitty people okay, let's think about that now let's go think about something else It's hard to carry on a conversation with people, this these new cultures that are coming up because their thoughts are about that long. I'm sorry, I'm not really don't mean to be picking on any. We really need to stop and focus on Christ. It's okay to just park there. Just stop there and, and stay with him for a while. And Jesus says that right here. He says, Okay, stop. Take a deep breath. And think about all that you've heard here. What stands out in your mind, people? Have you been listening to this? What stands out? And We've been reading this this Sermon on the Mount. What's the most important thing that you've heard here that's been said? What principle stands above all of them? We've looked at all these principles. And, And then while you're thinking on that, he answers his own question by saying, The outstanding characteristic of your new life in him that you have been called to narrowness. The gate is narrow. You've been called to a narrow way of life, not a broad one. It's a narrow life, and we have to walk in a very narrow way. Master of all preaching, the master of all life, paints an incredible picture here. Uh, Here's how I see it. Maybe you can have your own movie later on, but would you go with mine right now on the big screen? (laughs) And just go with me. While we're walking along through life and we come to a point where there's two gates. We have to make a decision. You have to make a decision. Now on one side, there's this wide gate. Everybody's going down it. It's wide and everybody goes through it. And they seem to be moving quickly. It's kind of like you're getting in the right lane on the on I-695, right? You no, know, you, you get over there and everything seems to be moving. And then on the other side, there's a very narrow gate. Everybody goes through one at a time. You don't go through in a big wide group. It's one at a time. And there's just a few people over there going through that gate. And as they go through, they're moving slower. But they go through that gate. And when they get through the gate, they just go down this path that you can't really see where it's going. That's the one Jesus wants you to take. That's where Jesus wants you to go. When we look at this path that we've chosen, we find that it's immediately narrow. Now, let me tell you what. If you think that you, you came through this narrow gate, it, it, it's broad at first? No, it's not broad at first. It's narrow in the beginning. And let me tell you what. It gets narrower. The gate itself, the gate for entering life eternally with Jesus Christ is narrow. Whenever worldly wisdom and carnal motives enter into this evangelism thing, you'll find the path you're on is so straight and certainly not narrow, you know you're on the wrong path. Too often smooth tongues, and I think these, these elaborate lifestyle evangelists will preach that Christian life is, is not so different than the rest of the world. They're wrong. According to God's word, they are wrong. It is narrow. Uh, this Greek word actually means narrow. I, I wish I could paint this picture in English. It doesn't work well. It, 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 it means narrow, compressed. You know, how sometimes you can, you can take a, 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 a wet twig or wet flower or something, and you, and you press it, to, and it comes out straight. That's the way this is. Our life becomes narrow, and it becomes compressed. Compressed is not a bad word now that I think about it. Jesus doesn't say it's going to be smooth sailing anytime. time. Not at the beginning, and then it gets harder, or it will be hard at the beginning and it will get easier. Mm-mm. It's it's not a self-help program to make life easier and smoother or for a personal gain. Jesus Christ openly says, and without compromising, he announces it as being something that starts with a narrow entrance and a narrow, hard path, and is one that leads to life versus the one that leads to destruction something you need to know about entering an narrow gate if you go through it it's just you and you go without all the baggage you have to think about that you have to leave all the baggage outside and let me tell you what we all come with a lot of baggage don't we I don't know if you ever thought about that do you ever think about all the baggage that you carry from your life you were born with? you got to leave all that behind. And when you start thinking about how much of it is, it makes you want to just lay down and cry. There's A lot of baggage we just don't want to let go of, isn't there? You have to leave everything behind, and you have to trust that Jesus will give you everything you need for the journey. He gives you everything. Promise. I don't, don't listen to my promise. Read it for yourself. Jesus promises you that. First thing we leave behind is this worldliness. The crowd. The gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many. The gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. You have to realize that When you become a Christian, you became different from the rest of the world. We have to stop being like it. You have to leave the crowd behind. That crowd that's going through the fast lane that looks like the fun one, you know what, that's not the one we're supposed to be going down. And you need to know this right up front. Jesus tells us that's the wrong one. Christian life is not popular. And when you leave the world behind you, they're not going to like you a whole lot. He's he's told us that all the way through the New Testament. We read that this morning, didn't we? You are not going to be popular. You're not going to be accepted by the people around you. So you deliberately get out of the crowd and you head for this narrow gate. Let me tell you what, getting through the crowd to get over to the narrow gate, sometimes it's hard, right, because they're moving fast and there's a lot of them. It requires a break from the crowd and a break from the world. You see, this Christian life, it's a personal thing. It's not a group thing. It's a personal relationship you have with Jesus Christ. You know what? He died personally for you. You better know that. He died so that you can have a personal relationship with him because of the personal life you're going to have with him forever. The rest of the world says, "Uh uh-uh, come on, man, we got a group going on here. we got a party. Come on and join us. Man, it's going to be fun. Lots of people, and we're going to do all the things you like to do, the fun things that you like to do. And you know what? You can go in and join that crowd if you want to because they're on a journey to hell. Everyone tends to follow the crowd. One of the most difficult things Christians have to face is that we are are peculiar people in the world. But it has to happen. In other words, one of the first things that has to happen to someone who becomes alive in the gospel of Jesus Christ is, is to say, whatever happens in the gospel of Jesus Christ... Is because of me, I am a loving soul, and I love my Savior and Jesus Christ, Him and Him first and Him and Him only. The mad rush of the crowd is over, and you just have to stop. That's the first step of a Christian. And then you realize that your eternal soul is is headed to eternity, and you have to put the surge of the crowd all around you. You have to put it away. And you know what? You have to swim across that stream to get to that narrow gate, don't you? Uh, It's hard swimming across it sometimes. It makes you realize though that you're responsible before God, not all those other people. Are you listening to me? Nobody else can do it for you. Nobody else can do your thinking. Nobody else can get saved for you. You do it yourself with Jesus Christ. And that's by receiving Him, His Word and His truth. Okay. You're going through this narrow gate which brings you face to face with whom? God. With God himself, right? Here's the next thing you have to do. You have to leave the way of the world. We're going to talk about that a little bit more next week. But I want you to know the way of the world. Let me tell you what. That means the way that the world operates, you have to leave it behind. You know, one of the most interesting things I read when my f- first year in, in seminary was about the early monks, you know, the ones who went what we call monastic. And they decided, okay, we're going to get out of the world, and we're going to go out and live in the desert, away from the rest of the world so that the world can't get to us. You know what they found out there? You will find some of the most incredible stories about demonic activity in their lives. <laughs> Satan's everywhere. He went right with them. You have to leave the way of the world behind. And the way of the world went with them. You go with Christ. You go with Him. You're supposed to leave all this baggage of the world and all the things of the world outside the gate uh, that pleases our unregenerate nature but does not include Christians. You got it? They go through the gate too. You know, it's not a group thing, folks. I miss that. I want you to understand there is no group plan. You know, we're all part of the great group insurance program, right? It doesn't work getting into heaven. Or there's no family plan. Sorry to break anybody's heart. There is no break. A family plan at all It's between you and Jesus Christ. And you will be persecuted. People aren't going to like that. But guess who walks with you? Jesus does. But let's just save that for a minute. Let's keep going here. Let me tell you what. Jesus gave us examples earlier in his sermon about leaving the baggage behind. Let me remind you with his word. You have heard, heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone steps, um, slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. I'm sure we all do that instinctively, right? No, we have to think about his word. That's not the way, is it? That's the way of the world. Give them that right hand of Christian fellowship when they make you mad, right? And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, someone would sue you. You got that? And take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. 1 Corinthians 6, it's better to be defrauded by a brother in Christ than to go to court. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. And give to to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, remember all of that? We're to love them no matter what. To obey Christ's commands is not instinctive. We have to know what they are. And we have to practice them. Actively practice them. Admit it. If you really had your way, that guy that cut you off in traffic, you'd ram right into his bumper. Wouldn't you? (laughs) Like to, wouldn't you? You Mm-hmm. You want to defend your rights. Yeah, okay. And hate those back who hate you. But Jesus is telling us if we really... Are to be his people and to give us and to live in his kingdom, we have to live outside of our own depravity, outside of our own instincts, and outside of our own worldly fallen nature. We have to live inside his, the one that he gives us, the one that we receive. And all of the old ways have to be left behind in the world. He's warning us about the ones who say, walk down the aisle, say the right things, jump up and down, go get wet, and then go on living your lives the way that you always have. Can't do that. We have to be active in his word. Jesus says that it's hard and the way is different. It's an entirely different way of life. We leave the world and its ways and we have to leave it outside the gate. The hardest thing, though, is that we have to leave more than the world outside the gate. And here comes the hard part, folks. We have to leave our self out there. The self that we were born to in this world, uh, the part that we're being detached from, we have to leave that outside the gates. Paul said to the Colossians, you have to put off the old self with its practices. New Testament gospel is humbling to self, isn't it? And, and, and to your pride oh we're supposed to have pride of life right Uh uh-uh. First John says that's wrong we're not supposed to have this pride you know but we're taught that we're supposed to have pride I'm supposed to have pride in my country which I do we're supposed to have I have, have a whole lot of love for my country and for the people who've defended it and, and died for it so that we can be here this morning talking freely about this know that but I'm not going to have any pride that gets in the way of God. Do you understand that? I have to take all that pride and leave. You know, my I can't even have pride in in the Bravens in a good year. You know, that's wrong. We can't do that either, can we? That's pride, and that gets in the way between us and God, isn't it? Placing our love and our pride in something else. That's becoming poor in spirit, isn't it? And we have to become poor in spirit. Let's go right back to where we started this, back up in Matthew 5, 2. We have to be poor in spirit, and it's humbling. Let me tell you what, but it is essential to living our lives in Christ. It's humbling, but it is essential. When you enter the gate, you know what, I think that when we enter this gate, I I said this, that there there may be a sign that that says, no self beyond this point. Whoa. How can we bless those who curse us, pray for those who abuse us with our worldly nature inside of us? They're not going to see it with our worldly nature in us, are they? We can't possibly live in the kingdom of God with judge not, that you be not judged, or whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, if we're carrying that natural self inside of us. Jesus has told us in this sermon, if you think you're going to make a great name for yourself, that you're going to be praised and receive praise, you're not coming with me. You're not going down this path with me. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Luke says to do that every day. I don't mean we have to stop enjoying things that that we like through Christ. It means that we deny the right to ourselves and we leave it outside. And we go through the gate saying, with Paul, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I died. Christ lives in me, and I'm a new creature in Jesus Christ. It's a straight and narrow for another reason. It's hard. It's hard. I pray for all of us here, and I hope you pray for me because, folks, it's hard. I hope we can do all of this together. But it's not easy. It, it, it's far too glorious and wonderful to be easy. It means living like Christ Himself, and that isn't easy. Look at his example on Earth. <laughs> the standard is not easy, is it? Jesus is our standard. And we have to be like Him. I hope we're becoming Him. That's what He says He wants us to be. <sighs> Look at his example on the Earth, on the Earth. Thank God for that. How glorious would it be? How much glory would it, would it be to bring to, to God if it required nothing on our part? Can't bring any glory to him that way, can we? Living this life with Christ is the highest life there is. Yeah, you know, I, I see all these things about living the high life. You want the high life? Let me tell you how to have the high life. You go with Jesus. Nothing higher than Jesus. It's also straight and narrow because it involves suffering and, and, and when it is lived and it, it incurs persecution. You know, we talk about, oh, those poor folks over there, those four folks over here. Let me tell you what, we will be persecuted here. You will be persecuted. Jesus says, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward rewarded is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The world has always persecuted the ones who follow God. Nothing's changed. Did you think it had? Nothing's changed. They persecuted Jesus. They killed him. They persecuted the prophets. They persecuted all the, all the people that we read about in, in the Old Testament. Read Hebrews 11. Uh, they persecuted all the apostles and all the early church and most every Christian that's lived since then. If you want to read about them, go read Fox's Book of Martyrs. Read how they were persecuted for believing in Jesus Christ, is Savior and Lord, him and him only. As a Christian, you will be persecuted. And here's the thing. You will be misunderstood. Maybe by your own family. Happens sometimes. Jesus said, I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. A sword that may divide friends and families. Why? Because you have been set apart by Christ. You've been called by Christ to be different, and you've responded. And you know what? I pray that you've entered through the narrow gate. No group plans, no family plans. Just you following Jesus Christ. And I pray with a whole lot of friends and the family of God around you. Jesus has been really honest with us, folks. And he's told us all this right up front. This is the Sermon on the Mount, the introduction of the whole New Testament. You can only come one by one because it's a straight and it's a narrow gate that you're going through. It's narrow and straight at the beginning, and it continues straight and narrow the whole way. The Christian life is narrow. And from beginning to end. Let me tell you what. There are no vacations and no holidays from the Christian life. There are no breaks in the spiritual world. Shocker. It's a spoiler, isn't it? It's a a fight of faith all the way through, right to the end. If you think that Christian's life gets easier, (laughs) You hadn't been listening to what we've been saying in the Sermon on the Mount. You hadn't been listening to Jesus. He didn't say it's going to get easier. It's a narrow, and with enemies on all sides, they're always there. And they get louder, I think louder and noisier until you get to your last minute on this earth. So let me ask you are you completely discouraged now? No. Ah, good. Right answer. Thank you, Ed. <laughs> Are you thinking to yourself, well, if that's the case, I'm out of here. I don't want any part of this. Give me my old life back. Some people do that when it gets hard. Before you go there, let me tell you where this narrow path leads. Let me tell you where it ends up. Rejoice and be glad, Jesus says, for your reward in heaven is great. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And even without that, it's the most glorious life there is. Because you know what we get to live by and for and with and through God's Son Himself. The God Himself incarnate, who sent the Holy Spirit here with us. Uh, you know that you know what I'm talking about. How many times do we have some sort of big problem in front of us? You know, we're made, made fun of. Uh, you know, people think we're silly or stupid or idiots or something like that. You know, does that bother you? Mm-mm. You know what? I, I hope it doesn't. Because you know what? I have the confidence of Jesus Christ in me. I have his love in me. And i got to tell you, he says, I will give you peace. He does. He gives us that peace that passes all human understanding, doesn't he? He says, you have my love. Nothing can separate you from my love. Nothing." Go read read Romans 8. Nothing can separate. Jesus is still there. He still loves you, and he still wants you. You know what? You want to be a victorious warrior? Then go to battle with God. With him as your captain captain clothed in his armor watch what happens then he's actually doing all the battle isn't he let me tell you what you want to know what's glorious about there's nothing more glorious than that nothing he's already won the battle promise it's here he's already done it there's nothing more comforting than than his peace that passes all understanding is there there are no words that can express his love and there's nothing more assuring than knowing that nothing can separate us from his love nothing but don't believe for one second that the wrestling against the rulers against the authorities against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in this heavenly places will stop while you're in this world it continues You'll never be able to relax from it. Sorry. You'll always have to be on guard for for the subtle and and the obvious tax of the world. But Jesus tells us all this right up front. That's the deal. And he tells us to count the cost before building the tower. You know that one. In other words, consider the cost of entry to the gate. Jesus did not just come to save us from hell, he came to make us holy to make us his like him and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. He came into the world to prepare for us a way of holiness. That's who we are to be. And the desire to walk in his steps. You know what? It's a hard life, but it's a narrow life. It's a straight life. But it's a great life. <laughs> knowing what's out there in front of us, the great reward we have in Jesus Christ, and knowing his love living in us. Have you ever, when you came to Christ and, and you were flooded with his love, if that's happened to you. You know, there is no joy in this world that's ever exceeded that, is there? There's not. There's nothing greater than his love. And being able to walk with him through all of this noise and all of these problems is even greater knowing that someday all this noise and all this world is going to be gone. And all we have left is Jesus Christ. Amen. Your privilege and my privilege is coming out of the world and entering to his life with him and following him all the way, all the way to glory with him. Amen. Let's pray. Oh Lord, these words that are so hard these words, Lord, that don't get really preached are words, Lord, that we know you gave us so that we can have your life, your life, Lord, of eternal peace, of eternal joy and of eternal love, not a life of just short band-aid excitement. but Lord, something that lasts forever, you being with you, the Son of God forever and ever. You gave your life for us, Lord. We celebrate that. No, Lord, we come before you and thank you for it on our knees with our hearts poured out. Praise you, Lord, for how great a God you are to love us so much that you died for us. And then you give us the way of life of how to live with you forever and ever. Oh, Lord, may we take all these words to heart and, Lord, act on them. Lord, may we live out the Sermon on this Mount on the mount with everything that we have in us empowered by you and your love lord that's our prayer that's our prayer to you this morning and lord may it all be for your glory in jesus name amen